Hello and welcome to Core Truth, the podcast show, where we will discover the core truth that controls our experience of life. I'm your host, Mark Follett, and together with my friend, mentor, and author of the book, The Truth of Love and Fear, Rudy Ecker, we will peel back the outer layers of consciousness in order to understand and realize the nature of our perceptions and the beliefs that control the experience of our lives. We will uncover the true nature of consciousness, what drives our personal actions, behavior, and feelings in life, and what really motivates mankind. So we welcome you to join us on a journey of self-discovery, self-realization, and self-awareness to give you a new insight into who you believe you are. Hello and welcome back to Core Truth. Mark Follett here with Rudy Eckhart. We're going to talk today about uh, an unusual word, offendability. This is a, a made-up word. It's a bit, of a, a bit of a Dr. Seuss word, really, where the meaning is inherently built in, even though it's not a word that exists within the English language, offendability. So what we're talking about is the response that other people have uh, to you or, or to, a, to a, a series of events and the feelings that others have as a result of something that you say or do. So we're talking about the level of offendability of someone uh, in, in an interaction. So uh, Rudy, you came up with this, this term offendability. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give us an explanation of what that term means to start with? Well, it, it came up in a, in a, in a debate about um, whether a government should or should not uh, limit free speech. And uh, I brought up the point that um, after some discussion was being made about people getting hurt and upset by the um, comments and um, statements by others, that it was the responsibility of those who made those statements to curb their statements and and restrict those statements, depending how upset or offended others would be. So it was basing about policing, self, um, uh, policing, um, free speech. And so I brought up the word offendability and I, I asked the question whether we are, as individuals, responsible for how offendable somebody else is. Mm. If we don't know what their levels of offendability are. And I was really surprised that the virtually the whole room, and I would say about 80% or 75% of the room, was um, quite uh, uh, convinced that the other party, who was actually causing the offence, is responsible for it. And, 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 the, and the person who had been offended was the victim in that scenario. Was the victim in that scenario, right? So, so again, we divide the world into aggressors and victims in some form or another. <laughs> it always seems to come back to that, you know, to, to the powerful and the weak. Um, so in this case, we're talking about emotions and feelings that come up in people in response to what they experience with somebody else, depending on what that person says or asks or expresses or uh, causes them to experience. And so the question here is, are we responsible for what other people feel? That is really the core question. Are we responsible for that? And if we are, how are we? And if we're not, how are we not? Mm. I think we've all been in a situation where we've offended somebody unintentionally, and so, or, or, or perhaps intentionally. But I think that the point is not whether you, you offended someone or not, but who's actually responsible for, for someone being offended. Yeah. When you say that you offended someone, and, and, and it's kind of strange, isn't it, when we say that? Mm. Because when we, when we make that statement, we've already drawn a conclusion. 
that we were the one that caused it. That we exactly that we were the one that caused that person to feel offended, upset, or angry, or resentful, or aggressive, or whatever. Mm. Um, and that, by definition, also that the person who was offended holds you responsible for what they feel. Mm. Which is the normal run of things, isn't it? Which is the normal run of things. Mm. I often say, just tell the story, imagine that I'm talking to your girlfriend uh, and uh, I'm having a chat with you and you're talking to somebody else and uh, all of a sudden she starts to cry and gets upset. It's very likely that her boyfriend or her husband will come to me and say, what did you say to her to cause her to cry? You know, stop hassling this girl, mm. right? Uh, and... Everybody would agree, funny enough, with that particular <laughs> uh, that that particular situation would have to be my fault. That was the conclusion that everybody draws. Because someone's upset, and someone else well, was, was was there. Someone is the victim, <laughs> and someone is the aggressor, and it happens to be me this time. Mm -hmm. um, it is actually so fundamental, and therefore so very very important to understand what this is really all about. Mm. Because once you understand this your capacity for personal growth um, would increase um, exponentially because it will change the world in which you live. I know that sounds very dramatic, but you've got to understand that this very simple response, this very simple um, interpretation of, how, of how, why and how we feel our feelings and emotions is central to our way of life is central to relationships, is central to even how we judge situations and how countries relate to each other, how groups of people relate to each other. Because once you start making other people responsible for how you feel, then you're actually trying to control them. You're actually trying to control their manner of expression, their um, maybe their religion, uh, maybe their political point of view. Um, maybe their in sense of entitlement to take certain economic decisions, right? I'm, I'm, I know I'm talking big worlds, right? You but certainly see that with, with countries, um, and this, this offendability word can be scaled to the offendability of certain countries over others as well in terms of their level of sensitivity around a particular issue. Exactly. You know, there might just be a very small event that creates a world storm because a particular country is offended by that event. Exactly. That's in the media or something like that. So. Well, racism, yeah. um, it might just nationalism. Be just, just a single event causes the entire country to be offended. Yeah, and, and find reason to do all sorts of things. Yes. Yeah, to, to, to even start wars at some point. So, so who's, who's then responsible for a situation where someone is offended? So, who has the feeling of being offended? The person who is offended has that feeling. Okay. Who generates that feeling? That person, as a result of how that makes them feel, how as, as, makes a result, as a result of what's been said, makes them feel and what emotions it brings up in them. Okay. But how, why is it that I can say this to one person and they are offended and I say it to another person and they are not? What makes the difference? It has to be a difference in their beliefs, either their cultural beliefs or their beliefs about themselves. They have to have a difference in their in their background, which is generally the case with the with the racism and with the countries. So, how sensitive you are, or how offended 
offendable you are um, then depends on your personal perspective of yourself. Yes. Which is then determined by the beliefs that you hold about yourself, mm -hmm. others and the world. Right? So if you have certain negative beliefs, and negative being uh, fear-based beliefs, about yourself and the world or others, right? How is anyone to know that? You can be the only one that knows that. Yes. And you are the only one that not only knows that, but you're only one, you are the person that is holding on to these beliefs. And you're the person that accepts these beliefs as a truth. You're also the person that um, lives your life by these beliefs, assuming them to be true. And so you can only be the, the only one and only person that is responsible for these beliefs. Now, if this is all true, what I'm saying, and I think it's very hard to argue that you're not, mm. uh, how can somebody else be responsible for how you feel? Yeah, I, I find that, it, as you said, the, there's a huge variability in the offendability. It's a very individualized thing. The, you could be dealing with, so I could be dealing with two different individuals and on the same topic, and one is highly offended by what I said, and another one is not offended at all by, by what I said. Um, and in any individual, if I could be talking about two different topics with one person, and one topic will make them highly offended, another one not. So in each, in each person that you deal with, the level of offendability depends on the topic and the individual you're talking to. So it's, it's very hard to then say, I need to curb my speech so I don't offend people because the variability of other people's offendability is, is immeasurable. Massive, is immeasurable. And you cannot anticipate and so the word you should use, it is impossible. Yes. It is impossible for you to know whether you're going to offend someone or not. Mm. And if you try and make your speech completely one... We call it politically correct. Politically correct, so you don't offend anyone, you're probably saying nothing. <laughs> because as soon as you say something and you, have, you put something in a certain context or you give a certain meaning to something or you try to reveal something or expose something then people will be offended and you know the, the, the reaction I got at this um, meeting at this uh, what they call a sophistry uh, was a classic in actual fact because it just totally proved to me that most people just have an issue even with the concept of taking responsibility for their emotions so there's a there's a definite um perception or a perception has been developed over many many years and I'm not talking about 10 years I'm talking about hundreds maybe even thousands of years mm. that we are somehow not responsible for the feelings that we have or sometimes we are sometimes we're not depending on what we choose to to determine is okay for us mm. again in those situations the the person who is potentially the, the offendable one, the sensitive one, determines whether something is okay or not. Mm. And the person who uh, utters the words and expresses his or her opinion, right, um, is never allowed to be in control of whether this person is going to be a victim of these words or whether they're going to be okay with it. I've actually noticed something which... Um 
even creates more complexity in this offendability topic, and that is that an individual may be offend, have a different offendability, offendability level depending on where the information is coming from, from the source of the information. They actually probably adjust their level of offendability to suit if it's a, if it's a person they like versus a person that they don't like. Yeah, but this comes down to the context in which they hold their issue in the first place. Mm. So again, it depends on them. Uh, the, the inner picture that they have, um, uh, that they will accept, for instance, um, criticism and judgment from a, um, a family member, but not from an outsider, mm. for instance. Yes, that's a good example. Um, it can be even from from the mother, but not from the father, because the yes. mother is the victim and the father is the aggressor. There's a whole number of ways that people can uh, contextualize uh, a particular belief, and therefore their offendability uh, um, points, if you like, are totally dependent on, on, on those belief systems, on the context of those belief systems. So again, it is not something that somebody can ever know or be aware of and shouldn't be required to know and be aware of. No. It's, it's so often that a, la- a larrikin can get away with saying just about anything to anyone. You know, I'll give you a typical example which probably will not be popular by most. but the, <laughs> the, It might, it might uh, make people offended. For, for instance, uh, black people, black Africans in the United States can say nigger to each other. Yes. Hey nigger, da da da. If a white man calls a n- nigger a nigger yes. or a black a African a nigger, yeah. all of a sudden it's a totally different connotation because a white man said it. Yes. Right? Which is totally ridiculous. There's a huge, a huge complexity in offendability. Which really shows the bias of the black man against the white man more than the other way around. Mm. Their offendability levels have to do with their own sense of inferiority uh, and uh, sense of, um, um, how can I say it? the sense of superiority, if you like, that they think the white man has over the black man and the black man feels inferior over the white man. Uh, it's, it's stu- it is stuff that comes back from slavery times and is still consistent, mm. uh, but it's kept alive both by the white people and the black people. Yeah, it takes two, doesn't it? It yeah. takes two to tango. Yeah. Once one lets go of all of this, the other has nowhere to go with it and has to let go because mm. it has no impact. Their particular negativity has no impact or influence anymore mm. and it's kind of useless. Um, so it is, a, it is a responsibility that both have to take because there were white men who thought themselves being superior yes. and there were black Africans who accepted wrongly that they were inferior because mm. they're not. But once you believe you are inferior, once you believe you are the the um, the downtrodden individual, right, who who gets stepped on and abused and used, um, then you, if if you accept that as being a part of who you are, then anything that anybody says that even points at this in some obtuse way um, will cause you to feel offended. But you know, are you then responsible for that offence? Are you responsible for the feelings that come out of that offense? Of course you are, because you hold the beliefs that you're inferior. So do you want to, do you want to just explain the mechanism then by which someone becomes offended? Do you, do you want to explain perhaps the link between someone's belief 
about themselves and then the emotions that, that come as a result of a reaction to something someone said. Is, the, is there, a, is there well, a process that happens there? Yeah, but, the, but probably the simplest way to, to explain it is to use the concept of being acceptable. It could be lovable, could be trustworthy, but let's use the word acceptable. If you've been raised in a way whereby for reasons um, to do with your parents, you experienced that the feeling that you were not acceptable to them because of the fact that they didn't accept you as you were, that I wanted you to be different to what you are, then the first thing you do is to judge yourself to be unacceptable. Mm-hmm. But with that self-judgment be- comes the... Because if, you, if your mother and father can't accept you, then no one will. That's how it feels, Mm. that you become unacceptable as an individual. Mm -hmm. Then with that comes the anticipation that others will not accept you because you cannot accept yourself. It becomes a belief about yourself that you are unacceptable. Yeah, but that you take that to be how others see you Mm. because you you expect others to see you the way you see yourself because you can't look at it any other way. You can't imagine that they would see you differently to how you see yourself. It's impossible. Mm. So your self-perception becomes what you believe to be the perception of others. So then when you get into a situation where um, you're excluded from something, you immediately get your back up one way or another, or you feel offended, or you get aggressive, or you feel victimized, because for reasons that in your mind can only be because you're unacceptable, you're being excluded. You know, the boat could be full. (laughs) Do you understand? Mm. There's no room for anybody else. Um, A person may not have any more time for you. Uh, They may not be able to make that appointment or that date or whatever uh, agreement that you had between each other. Uh, For you, it will be because they don't accept you, they don't like you, they don't want you. Uh, This will be the interpretation you put on it. Mm. And you would be upset about it because of it, not realizing that it starts with you believing that you're unacceptable mm. because it happened in such a, at such a young age that you've internalized it so seamlessly into your perception of yourself that you don't even realize that, it doesn't, that this does not represent your personality, but that it is a belief that you've taken on which, is, which does not represent the truth of who you are. I know a few people like this theoretical person you're talking about uh, who believe they're unacceptable and therefore they they go into situations and expect that that's going to be the case and then when that is borne out, they say, oh, well, of course, I, I expected to be unacceptable and uh, unacceptable and, and this is what's happened. But what happens too with the people that I know that are like this is that a new event happens... They see that as a reinforcement of them not being accepted by others. And then they bring up all of the other times. They might verbalize and say, oh, this happens every time. You know, they can bring up 15 different examples in the mm-hmm. history where they've, they've had the same thing happen. That, you know, they've been victimized and because... Poor not, me. Poor me. You know? Poor me. <laughs> Nobody wants me. I always miss out. You don't win friends that way, though, do you? Um... <laughs> Well, the friends you win are the ones that think like you do and mm. have the same issue as you do. They're the kind of friends you finish up with mm. because you will automatically start to share your world with people that have similar beliefs. Uh, you will not be comfortable with people who have 
totally contradictory beliefs. Like a person who doesn't have this, who doesn't have this issue, who totally lives life without these fears, right? You will not feel comfortable with because you feel somehow that they got it right and you got it wrong. That there's something wrong with you and something is okay with them apparently. And you'll find reasons where it's not fair that they get all this stuff or they can do all this stuff or they are welcomed wherever they go and you are not. They never seem to miss out and you always do. Mm. So you will continue to make yourself a victim and you will not want to be in the company of someone like that. You'd rather share your misery with others who have the same misery. Mm. And that goes for all belief systems, by the way. Mm. Is that is that how they, you know, obviously there's an adage, like attracts like, and you, you tend to end up with with people that are on the same page as you, and, and that's because your belief systems... Yeah, women women up. who have issues with men often attract other women who have issues with men uh, and, and share those constantly and whinge and complain and don't realise that they are the major component in their own life experiences, but feel more comfortable blaming the men for it and um, seeing themselves and portraying themselves as the victims of that relationship. So again, whatever they feel, the men are responsible for it. Mm. And they don't see themselves as the instigators and the creators of their own feelings and the situations that uh, bring them into it. I mean, this is... um, this kind of leads into a t- topic we will do in the future, and because you brought it up, Mark, uh, about determinism. How do we create events in our lives that repeat our feelings and emotions? Mm. And um, why does that continue to happen? The main thing to remember here is, is that with feelings and emotions, is that you can only have negative feelings about things that you have negative beliefs about. So if you if you feel inferior, inadequate, hopeless and useless, then whenever you're in a situation where criticism, judgment or will, will occur, that you will feel victimized by that because you feel it's unfair or unreasonable and that you're uh, constantly experiencing this for no reason at all. That it can't be your fault. You will constantly find excuses and justifications why these things are happening to you. Um... So I think this is something that you must have experienced quite a lot in your practice because I imagine that you're, you're a person I know for certain um, doesn't, uh, doesn't play along with victimhood in, in terms of what we're just talking about. But I imagine a lot of your clients come in and they have the beliefs that you're talking about, that they're unacceptable and therefore they're victims in the world and people are not accepting them and other people have caused issues in their life um, I just see how how you work with people, you know, in that situation where you don't your your belief doesn't match their belief. You have to obviously um, interact with them and, and gain their trust in a, in a way that would be very difficult for someone. I think where that has a different belief system. I mean, maybe maybe make it practical for people so that maybe are not in this victim space, but they have to deal with people all the time. It might be a boss of people. You know, I, I work with a group of 20 people that work for me and I have to deal with them. And some of them are like these people that you talk about, that everything's always happening to them. I mean, how do you deal with people like that when you have, you know, you're in a situation like that, you're their boss or co-worker or something like that? Okay, but not in the therapy. Not in the therapy sense. Kind I'm of, just talking kind of about, sense. I know you've got great experience with dealing with people and I just wanted to, you know, to put that in some practical terms into how how to interact with 
with people that believe themselves to be a victim that are offended by something you say and you don't believe you're, you're well, part of that? Often at work, it's not so much... It's most of the time, if people are offended, they're offended by colleagues. Mm-hmm. And you're in a situation where you have to um, mediate, if you like, in a conflict where one person feels offended or controlled or uh, the aggression of another person. Victims, by definition, will always experience aggressors. Yeah? Because a victim um, can only ever be the victim of an aggressor. Because that's what makes them into a victim. So victims are by definition already not born that way, but they are created by the way they were raised as children. So I guess as a, if you are going to mediate in this sort of thing, you need to realize some fundamentals that the victim is a, is a victim because it is a state of mind. It's, a, it's the way they uh, interpret their reality. They're the powerless ones, the helpless ones, the weak ones, the vulnerable ones, the sensitive ones. And they have the expectation that everyone should, therefore, uh, be sensitive to them. And Curve, um, curve their speech, change their behavior. Yeah, should, should never offend them or upset them. You often hear them say, well, you could say that, but you, shouldn't have, you don't have to say it that way. Mm. Right? As if the way you say it makes the difference. But... You know, the ultimate sensitivity is always theirs and they own it and they possess it and it is a product of what they believe about themselves. We are not born as victims or as aggressors. We come into the world with the power and the resources and the capacity for, to fulfill our potential. But when we're not given the freedom, the endorsement and approval by our parents of who we are in our own unique way, then the first thing that happens is that our true and original nature, our authentic self, and the fundamental part that represents our spirit is rejected because our parents already have fears and they probably experienced uh, an out-of-balance childhood to begin with. They unconsciously play out their fears to their children. They don't know they're doing it most of the time. Um, Mothers who are fearful and afraid uh, overprotective, which seems to be, at the time, to be the right thing to do for the mother, do you know? It, it seems to show an excessive level of care, and can't that just be good? And it isn't. Um, these sort of things then become, uh, say for instance, an overprotective child, or a victimized child, a judged and criticized child, um, a uh, child that is rendered powerless and rejected, um, on all levels of its beingness, will probably come out as a victim or as an aggressor. It can be one or the other. Mm. Um, so when these people work together in the one place, you're bound to get conflict. The skill of a manager is to hold both parties responsible and not just one. Mm. So the victim is responsible for her or his emotions and the aggressor is responsible for her or his emotions and feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, the need for the aggressor to be aggressive, to get something done or to communicate, uh, is likely to be inappropriate. And the reaction of the victim is just as inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So the skill lies on how do you hold both people accountable 
And so never put them together in the same room if you're going to do this. Mm. That's the first thing you don't do. Right? Um, what you need to be able to do is ask questions. Very pointy questions, if you like, that get them to accept responsibility for their feelings and emotions. And unfortunately, if you're not skilled in this, it's not easy. Mm. So it, I want to put, give you really good guidelines as to how to deal with this, but it, it, it comes down to asking questions because if you go to a victim or an aggressor and you say, you are this and you are that, the reaction you're going to get is that you are judgmental and that you are and you're, you're hit their inappropriate level. and you will be the one offending everybody else. Yeah, you'll be, you'll be hitting their level of offendability, yes. And there is no, there's no outcome for this. No. But if you ask questions, they, you will, given the, that those questions are what they're supposed to be in that situation, you will trigger their self-awareness and their self-realization. So they'll gain an understanding... Of themselves. ...by answering the questions and looking inside themselves. Yeah. And so the only way you can really change these situations to any level of permanency is by doing that, by, by asking questions, by engaging them, um, by asking for reasons and causes that are personal to them. And the moment they start talking about the other party causing it, you cut them off and you say, no, 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 I'm asking you. Why did you have that feeling? Yeah. Why does that offend you? Why does that offend you? I think we, as managers, anyone that's worked in that capacity, this has been a very common situation that, that is something I've had to deal with several times and something that I'm sure nearly anyone that manages other people yeah. uh, as a supervisor or any, in any capacity has, the, has this situation. So, Look, these, these business problems almost require a separate podcast, a separate, mm. a separate mm. addressing because there's a lot more to this than what the eye would see yeah, yeah? The, it's it's quite complicated and it has many different levels but again it involves all the stuff that we otherwise are talking mm. about it's fascinating that it crosses over all different aspects of life um well is there anything else you wanted to to say in wrapping this up rudy and then we might uh might go on to this topic of business another time yeah yeah for sure and also the the, the topic about determinism, determinism yes determinism it's mm. really an important one as well um is that Without accepting responsibility for your emotions, for your own feelings, and therefore for your own beliefs, right, you cannot evolve yourself as a spiritual being, as an emotional being, and as a human being, as a human consciousness. And you have no power over your own life then, do you? Well, you're giving power away Mm. by assuming that somebody else is responsible for how you feel. And it doesn't matter whether you're the victim or the aggressor Mm. in any of this. Right, because both parties are holding the other party responsible for how they behave and act mm. and feel as a consequence. Right? Um, passive people are by their nature non confrontational, and aggressive people are by their nature always confrontational. Mm. So one is, is, is always going to be the victim of the other. But either way, blaming other people for how you feel gives your power away. Absolutely. Mm. It gives your emotional power away, it gives your power of life away. And if, we, if we're going to, going to speak about determinism, it gives away your power to determine your own life. 
It's amazing. All right, well, we'll leave it there for today. So thank you very much again, Rudy. You're very welcome. And we'll, uh, we'll see you all on our next episode. Thank you very much.